morning, family. Guys, I think, I think for some of us who've been around with Antioch for a little bit, we take for granted how incredible it is to be a part of a family like this. Literally this morning, we have, we have family members from this small family in South Africa, in, in Cape Town, South Africa, who, who are wanting to partner with God and what He's doing there. We have members of this family, literally, they're, they're, they're us, sons and daughters of this family. They're in Thailand today, wanting to partner with, with what God's doing. We, we, we have people in the Middle East, in the UAE. We have people literally all over the globe from this little family who believe that, that not only can God speak to them, not only does God want to be with them, but God wants to, to allow them to be a part of what He's doing. And, and here's what I would say that with, with that. There's members of this family even here today that, that you've lost purpose in going to work. And we would hope and pray that tomorrow when you go to work that there would be purpose again in it. That he wants to partner with you. There's members of, of your workplace. There, there, there's colleagues. There's coworkers. They, they, are, they, are, they are millimeters from giving up on life. They're, they're, they're millimeters from saying they're done. They, and, and they just, if someone would speak a word of encouragement to them, if, if someone would literally take three seconds and, and speak life into them, that doesn't mean you preach at them. That doesn't mean you have to be religious. It doesn't mean you have to do some strange thing. It just simply means you stop what you're doing, you look someone in the eye, and you give them attention. The same thing the Spirit of God did with us. It's crazy to think we have, we have family members all over the globe, and we have family members here within our own community who just want to be a part of what God's doing. It's powerful. Guys, this is a powerful, powerful family that we get to be a part of. Hey, I want to do something fun real quick. I, I haven't been asked to teach on Sunday morning in a while, and I probably won't get to be asked to do something for for just a little bit also. So I want to do something fun real quick. And, 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 and just, just, just humor me. Do it with me. So I was in my room a while ago, kind of putting the last little touches to my teaching and, and really kind of getting ready for, for the morning. I got a text message from Tyler Hardy, our, our senior leader. And I was like, how cool is this? Tyler has texted with a word from the Lord. Like, this is going to be awesome. So I, I read my text message. Our senior leader texted. I read the message. And it literally says, Hey, Kent, I know you're finishing up the last little bit of your preparations. Just wanted to ask, could you come over this evening and help me plant some shrubs in my flower bed? That's literally his text message before I walk onto stage. I'm like, I'm getting even with him. So here's what I need. I need everyone in this section, everyone in this section, pretend like you're asleep. I'm going to snap a photo. And later on, I'm going to say, bro, I don't think it went very well. Most of them were sleeping. So I, I picked this section purposely because there's some youth members in this section. I'm not exaggerating. I need you guys to literally just lay back and act like you're sleeping. No smiling. Oh, help me out here. Come on, guys. There you go. Totally act like you're smiling, uh, sleeping, not smiling. That is awesome. Thank you very much. Okay. I am so getting even with him. What was that? Come over and help me work in my flower bed. Hey, real quick, this morning, some of us were praying, just asking God what he wanted to do this morning. We felt like there, there was a couple of words given. And, and, and now would be a time to, to pull out your pen and paper, pull out your, your, your iPhone, if that's how you make, take notes. We felt like there would be some this morning, you, you've come in and you feel unknown. Just from, from a various life events, 
Maybe, maybe even just a couple things that happened this week. You feel unknown. You can be in a room full of people and you feel unknown. And we feel like the, like the Father was saying, He knows you, and, and here's the, kick, the kicker. He's going to make sure you know that you are known. And it's not going to be a process. A lot of times there's a process to this, and we feel like Father was saying that He was going to do it quickly. It won't be a process for you to know you're known. He was going to quickly and powerfully make you know because of the knower who dwells with us, you are known. He knows you. We felt like he wanted to release an anointing of identity this morning, that we are sons and daughters. We are not servants. We are not law keepers. We are members of a family. And we, we felt like he just wanted to release the anointing of that this morning. Uh, we felt like he is saying there's going to be new life. A new energy available this morning that some of us came in with weariness. And no one knows it because you've learned how to fake it pretty good. And so be it. You've learned how to fake it. Good job. But you know it. There's a weariness in your heart. And we feel like Father is saying He's going to replace your weariness with His purpose. And then some of you have come in, some of us have come in this morning with just life confusion. Welcome to the human race. <laughs> Literally. Life confusion. And we feel like Father's saying that He's going to replace it with clarity. Yeah, you have confusion. Most of us do. And He who knows wants to replace your confusion with clarity. Thank you, Father. We feel like He wanted to cast off a spirit of religion and a striving for righteousness and set you free into relationships. You know who you are, guys. And if that's not you, pass it. If you know who that is, if you know that's you, all right, you've been striving for righteousness, something that he wants to give you for free, accept it. And then lastly, we feel like, golly. Sorry. I don't mean to do that. It just happened. <laughs> I feel like some of you walked in the room. And it's just been a while since you've had comfort. And you're, you're, you're at the end. And he just wants to speak comfort over your hearts today. And being at the end is scary. Because there's, there's options, there's choices you can make when you're at the end of your rope, when you're at the end of yourself. There's choices you can make that could ruin your family. But also, it's, it's good to be at the end of, of, of your strength and your hope. Because then you don't have any, anywhere else to turn but up. So let's pray that. Holy Spirit, you are the comforter. And you know who in this room needs comfort. And we, we can do our deal. We can, we can follow along with the program. We can preach a good word and then end our time. 
and go to lunch and just enjoy our weekend. And there's still men and women in this room who are uncomforted. Spirit of God, would you speak your comfort? In the name of Jesus, receive. Receive the comforter wants to comfort you. Get out of his way and let him. Lord, you are good. You are so good. Holy Spirit, you are the comforter. And you know who needs comfort right now. We speak your comfort and faith. The power of the living God, we speak your comfort. Amen. Wow. <laughs> Was not anticipating that. My name is Kent Forster. I serve as the missions pastor and the mobilization director here. It is an honor to be here with you guys. I think there's a photo of my family I'd love to introduce. Look at that. My wife, Becky, she's the one in the middle. My wife uh, and I just celebrated our 20th year of, of being married. No idea how it came so fast. Four daughters, starting on the left. Michaela's 18. Sarah is uh, 13. Little Emma sitting is 11. And then Hannah is 16. We, uh, we jumped in with Antioch Community Church in March of 2007. The very first time we, we visited Antioch Community Church was in Waco, Texas. I had met a guy from, from Antioch over in Uganda, of all places, in January of 2007. So during spring break, we went to, to Antioch, Waco, walked into the service, guys, and I'm telling you, it was, it was roughly, roughly this size of a room. It felt like there was probably about 700 people in the room. And I'm telling you, my, my wife and I, we were directors of a ministry at that point in Lubbock, Texas, where we were from. We, 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 we kind of had an idea of, 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 of ministry and what it meant to give your life away. We, we, we were kind of doing the deal, we thought. Walked into Antioch Community Church, Waco, Texas, March 2007, and nearly had to sit down. The presence of God was so heavy. The, the, the men and women of God it was incredible to see people recklessly worshiping God, recklessly giving their hearts to God, and not trying to sing pretty music, but just giving themselves before Father. And I had not experienced that very much, and nearly had to sit down. It was, it was an experience. Went to pick our kids up that we had dropped off at Kids Church that morning, and, 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 and walking to the car, or actually not walking to the car, later that afternoon, hey, what are you guys doing Kids Church today? My fourth grader, I think she was fourth grade or fifth grade, and my third grader literally said, oh, we practiced hearing from the Holy Spirit today. And I remember thinking, 
you're in the third and fifth grade. You guys did what? Oh, yeah, we practiced here, and they broke us up into little groups, and we asked God to speak to us. And I'm not for sure, but I think I might have heard the Holy Spirit for the first time. What's his voice sound like, Daddy? We need to get somebody who can help you. I don't know. And that was our introduction to this church. Overwhelming. Overwhelming to be a part of a family of God who is by far not perfect. And when you work for a church, you learn that more than anyone. By far not perfect. However, pursuing the heart of God. So much fun to be a part of this family. So much part of, no matter what Antioch church you visit, guys, across the globe, you're going to experience two things. You're going to experience intimate community. You're going to experience intimate worship. It's powerful. We've, 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 we've been able to visit a couple of the Antiochs across the globe, and you always feel like you're home. It is a lot of fun. All right. Wow, I don't even know how to get going right now. The, the last few weeks, we've been looking at some, some characters and some stories from the Old Testament and how they make reference to Jesus here in the New Testament. Several weeks ago, we looked at the, the life of King David and, and, and through the life of King David, how we worship in spirit and truth and how Jesus brought to us in John that that's what the Father is seeking, those who would worship in spirit and truth. Um, a couple weeks ago, we looked at manna. And Father would provide manna every single day as much as you need for that day. That stood out when Andrew spoke that. As much as you need today, it will be made available for you. Take what you need for today. And Jesus is our bread of life. And every single morning, we can receive manna from heaven, the bread of life from heaven. And then last week, we looked at Psalm 23, how he is our great shepherd. He knows what we need when we need it. If we'll allow him to lead us, if we'll learn how to follow him and allow him to lead us, he will always take us to the places we're going to go. This morning, in 22 minutes, that's never going to happen. In the next 22 minutes, we're going to try to look at Jesus as our high priest. And I, I want to I start this morning by saying there's a few things I love teaching on. There's a few things I get really, really excited teaching on. There's a few things that I, I feel really, really equipped to teach on. Jesus being my high priest is not one of them. <laughs> so please be patient. Please bear with us as we walk this out. So let's get going. Jesus being our high priest. The pickle is most of us in this room are Gentiles. We were born Gentiles. If I asked how many of us have Jewish blood in your lineage, there might be six of you raise your hands. Okay? There's literally six of us doing this. We're like, yeah, I want to. So there might be six of us who, who, who have Jewish blood within us. The rest of us as Gentiles, no clue. As, 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 as a non-denominational church that's part of a non-denominational network of churches, we have a senior leader. Like that's about as high as we get. That's about as great as we understand. The Catholics have a pope. There's always someone serving position as pope. The, the, the Anglican church, they always have someone serving as archbishop. Like I think they get it. This whole idea of there's, there's a boss, there's someone in charge. This whole idea of high priest, that's new for us. I grew up in the Southern Baptist Church in Amarillo, Texas, and our pastor at the time, I heard a whoop, our, our pastor at the time, Dr. Moore, became the, the, the head of the Southern Baptist Convention. I don't even know what that guy's title is, whoever's the head of the Southern Baptist Convention, but I remember being a kid and being at First Baptist Church in Amarillo, Texas, and when he left our church as senior pastor and became the head of the Southern Baptist Convention, 
It was like every, every adult in our church all of a sudden walked a little taller, like our pastor's now the head of the... And I'm like, what does that even mean? He's the head of the what? And why all of a sudden are we prideful? I don't understand. So when I try to think of high priest, guys, I think for most of us, we try to think Jesus is our high priest. It's just an unknown entity. We don't know what to do with it. So we're going to do a little bit of research today. We're going to do a little bit of history and see what we find, okay? Here we go. First off, the word, the Hebrew word for priest. I'm not going to try to pronounce it. It's spelled K-O-H-E-N, Kohen. That is the word for priest. The root word for Kohen happens to be Kahan. I'm sorry. That's a butcher pronunciation. The word Kahan represents is the word for when a bridegroom has become innately decorated for his wedding, for his wedding ceremony. I, I mean, that was the beginning of my study for the week, guys, and it blew me away. The root word for priest is the same root word describing a bridegroom. Where in Scripture does it say Jesus is our bridegroom? Matthew 25, Jesus is sharing the, test, the, the parable. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps, and they went out waiting for whom? The kahan to return, who is innately, ornately, beautifully dressed and prepared for his wedding. Where do we hear about a wedding in Scripture? In Revelations chapter 21, it refers to the church as the bride of Christ, the bride of the bridegroom. We all know there's going to be a wedding banquet. And I think a lot of times, guys, we're so focused on the here and now, we forget literally in the blink of an eye we will be caught up with him, we will be in heaven with him, and then we will all somehow be sitting at a wedding feast. I grew up in the Baptist church and we were told you're going to be invisible for the rest of your life. I hope that's not true because it literally talks about the food that's going to be at this wedding feast. The things that we will taste at this wedding feast. In the Jewish culture, the wedding feast lasted a week. Imagine what that looks like in heaven. Guys, literally, this is what we're walking towards. There is great reward for those who have received Him. And it starts with a wedding feast. There will be a wedding ceremony. Most men have a really hard time considering themselves to be a bride. I have four daughters. It's not too difficult. I like the idea of having someone who says, I will manly, I will masculinely care for you and provide for you. I like the idea of someone saying, you will no longer be known by your name. You will receive my name. I thoroughly enjoy the idea of saying, I will watch over and protect you. You do not have to fear. I kind of get into the deal. <laughs> If I have to be a bride in order to receive a groom for eternity, where'd I sign? I want that. Kahan, the bridegroom. Let's go look at Leviticus chapter 16. We're going to read a couple of verses. We're going to see the beginning of the very first high priest and his ordinances. We had a little list going of all the responsibilities of a high priest, and there's actually a number of them, but because of time, we thought we would look at the primary focal point of a high priest. What is his primary role? What is the main thing he's doing? Leviticus chapter 16, we're going to read verses 1 through 3. We're going to bounce around to a few places, 
So we're going to see what happens. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of Aaron's two sons who died, after they entered the Lord's presence and burned the wrong kind of fire before him. The Lord said to Moses, Warn your brother Aaron not to enter the most holy place behind the inner curtain whenever he chooses. If he does, he will die. For the ark's cover, the place of atonement, is there, and I myself am present in the cloud above the atonement cover. When Aaron enters the sanctuary area, he must follow these instructions. He must bring a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. So this is, this is we're talking about the Day of Atonement. We're going to read a little bit more of it. And we're reading, there's, there's, there's certain things he has to do. He has to bring a bull. He has to bring a ram. Another part of it says he has to bring a goat. There's something that happens. There, the, the Day of Atonement is the primary responsibility of the high priest. Any questions? We can, we can ask him if we need to. Let's jump forward to verse 6. Aaron will present his own bull as a sin offering to purify himself first and his family, making them right with the Lord. Then he must take the two male goats and present them to the Lord at the entrance of the temple. He is to cast sacred lots to determine which goat will be reserved as an offering to the Lord and which goat will carry the sins of the people to the wilderness. Guys, there's some of us in this room this morning, you're very familiar with these scriptures, you're very familiar with scapegoat. I know that I know that I know there are some of us in this room this morning, this is all brand new, so I wanted to go slow, I wanted to really touch on this. So if you've heard this before, try to hear it for the first time. If you've not heard this before, then enjoy. This is incredible. So here we are, Aaron the high priest, he's about to begin this ceremony that has to happen every single year on the exact same day of the exact same month. And first and foremost, he has, to shed a, he has to shed blood for his own sins. The high priest's sin, guys. David, three weeks ago, we looked at his life. David, absolutely incredible some of the sin he walked into. But what we know about David is it wasn't, it wasn't the sin he stepped into. It was how quickly he repented. It was how quickly he would find himself and turn away from that. I had a young man. He wanted to meet with me on Friday for lunch, and he was fairly urgent. And we sat down. And, and I knew, well, something's going on. I don't, I don't know all the details. And he said, hey, within the past 24 hours, I made this decision. I made this choice, and I wanted you to know. And I nearly started weeping. And, oh, my gosh. You're, you've responded righteously within 24 hours, where I felt like if there would have been any religion, I felt like if there would have been any striving, I felt like if there would have been any legalism, the whole conversation would have been, well, how'd you do that? Well, how do you avoid it in the future? Well, what, what, what was some of your trigger points? Well, how do we keep you from doing this again? And all I could respond with, and I almost felt like he almost wanted to say, I need to go visit with another pastor because you didn't respond like I thought you would. But the response was, praise God. You've repented. You've confessed to another within 24 hours. That's rare. That's biblical. So we learn that. So here we go. The high priest, he sacrifices, he spills the blood for his own sins and the sins of his family. And then he takes these two goats. One of the goats is going to be sacrificed, and the blood will also be spread around the tabernacle. One of the goats, as you read a little bit further, it says that Aaron the high priest takes both hands, he puts them on the goat's head, and it says he literally confesses the wickedness of the people over the goat. And then what do they do with the goat? They take it and they literally release it in the wilderness. 
And you may wonder what's going on there. When you look in Micah, you can see the same thing that's happening in the book of Micah. We're not going to turn there, but in chapter 7, verse 18 and 19, it literally says, You, O Lord, will take our sins and you will throw them into the depths of the ocean. You, O Lord, will take our sins and you will place them upon an animal and that animal will take them far from camp. That animal will take them far from our families. That animal will take those sins and the consequences of those sins and take them far from your cherished people. You, O Lord, will take our sins that we have committed and you will throw them into the sea of forgetfulness because you, O Lord, do not want to hold our sins against us. Because you, O Lord, want to have a right relationship with us. And so many of us in this room... You're always reminding yourself of something that God is saying, if you will turn to me, I will drop it in a sea of forgetfulness. I will remember it no more. He's clearly showing his heart. He's clearly showing his great desire for when we miss his best. At the, at the bottom of sin, when you go through all the different definitions of sin, the very bottom of it is you've missed God's best. He had a perfect best for you in your life in that season and you missed it. Get over yourself. You missed his best. So come back to him and let him drop it in the sea of forgetfulness and allow him to continue moving forward. Allow continue moving you forward. You don't have to wallow. You can choose to. We can choose to. Three months ago, man, I missed his best. What have you done in the last 90 days? Well, nothing, because three months ago, I missed his best. What are you doing today? Because the Word of God says his mercies are new every single 24 hours. That's not a Bible verse. That's a truth. I'm watching some of your faces, and some of your faces are saying, this is good, and some of your faces are saying, I don't believe you. And here's what I would respond to your faces are saying, I don't believe you. You shouldn't believe me. You might consider believing his words. His words are true. His words are the foundation that the church is built upon. Quit wallowing in it. In the, the Day of Atonement, how incredible is this? The sins of the people would be placed upon this goat and he would be released. And then when we go and read it, we're not going to have time, but when you go and read it further, it literally says, I want you to do this very same thing on the very same day, on the very same month, for the rest of the generations. It's the tenth day of the seventh month of the Jewish calendar at the exact same time. I want you to do this very same thing. Let's skip forward to now, now how does that represent Jesus? How does that represent in the New Covenant? You have a homework assignment. I'm going to give it to you now because we probably won't remember to later. Hebrews chapter 5 through chapter 9. I know some of you take the notes from Sunday mornings and then you read them throughout the rest of the week. There's a lot of verses this week, so you might wake up early. Hebrews chapter 5 through chapter 9. It's amazing. The writer of Hebrews, it's amazing how he correlates the old covenant role and position of high priest and he sees that as a foreshadowing. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. He is our high priest. In chapter 8, verses 3 through 5. Hebrews chapter 8, verses 3 through 5. And since every high priest is required to offer gifts and sacrifices, our high priest must make an offering too. 
If he were here on earth, he would not even be a priest, since there are already priests who offer the gifts required by the law. They serve in a system of worship that is only a copy, a shadow of the real one in heaven. For when Moses was getting ready to build the tabernacle, God gave him this warning. Be sure you make everything according to the pattern I've shown you here on the mountain. Jump over to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24. Christ did not enter into a holy place made with human hands, which was only a copy of the true one in heaven. Christ did not enter into a holy place made by hands. He entered into heaven itself to appear now before God on our behalf. Stay in chapter 9. Jump to verses, go back to verses 11 through 14. 11 through 14. So now Christ has become the high priest over all good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and bulls and calves, with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Under the old system, for generations, literally for thousands of years, on the tenth day of the seventh month, at the same time, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of cows would cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. It's only a ceremony. It was only a ceremony. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. What's the point in all this? For thousands of years, they did the exact same ceremony that could not cleanse them. Jesus came and He did the true ceremony. And He entered the true tabernacle, the true holy place. What's the purpose? What's the point? What's the result? So that we can go back three weeks ago and worship Father in spirit and in truth. When Jesus met the Samaritan woman at the well, she said, hey, you Jews said I have to go all the way to that place to worship. That's a jaunt. That's a journey. So I can't go. So that means I can't worship. During Passover, the families would have to gather enough belongings to go all the way to Jerusalem to worship. Why Jerusalem? Because that's where the Ark of the Covenant was. That's where the presence of the Lord was. How many families couldn't afford to do it? We can't afford to do it. So when would those families worship? According to the law, when would those families worship if they couldn't go to Jerusalem? They wouldn't. They would read from the Torah. They'd read from the scrolls. They would read the law. They would learn the law. When would they worship? They wouldn't. Because they couldn't get to Jerusalem. Guys, this is incredible. Jesus provided a way so that even now, in Bryan College Station, a room full of men and women could come together and through redemption and through His righteousness, the Spirit of God coming alongside and ushering us into the throne room, we can worship Father with pure hearts, even though we've missed His best. And those who take advantage of that 
those who by faith believe that that's what God's made available to them, their lives are ever increasing from glory to glory, while the rest of us are sitting down trying to figure out if it's true or not. What life do you want to give your kids? What life do you want to give your grandkids? This is free. This isn't even on my notes. <laughs> Guys, we have, we have been living our lives leaning upon our own understanding long enough. I don't know who I'm speaking to, but you have been living your life leaning upon your own understanding long enough. I would say take a factual, realistic look and see your understanding. What has it made? What has it given you? What have you attained? What do you got to show for it? His word is far greater than our understanding. His ways we can't comprehend. Stop trying. Receive believe, and call out. It's not difficult. He's made a way. We have a high priest who through his own blood has entered the most holy place. And what is he doing? Interceding on behalf of the saints. In Matthew 27 and verse 21, turn to this. This, this. this wasn't for us to turn to, but I feel like it's it's appropriate. Matthew 27, verse 51. This is typically not the scripture we would look at when we're talking about high priest, but we have a new high priest who has literally ended the old way of doing things. He has literally brought to an end the ceremony that was carried on and on and on. Matthew 27, verse 51. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and tombs were opened. What's happening here? We know Jesus has just given Himself. We know the Lamb of God, who had no sin, has just given Himself for those of us who are filled and covered by sin. And what's happening the ceremony's ending. He shed His blood and the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant was and the presence of God dwelt in the temple in Jerusalem. Before that, in the tabernacle while traveling throughout the desert for 40 years, the presence of God that's with the Ark of the Covenant is now available every single day to every single son and daughter. Whereas in the Old Covenant, the presence of God was made available one day a year to one man who was the high priest. No one else could ever enter into the most holy place. No one else could ever be in the presence of God, guys, for generations and years. No one could be in the presence of God. That's just the way it was. And what Jesus did, the veil was torn from top to bottom. And the result is, any single one of us can enter into the presence of God because of the blood of the Lamb, which makes us clean. This is good stuff. We found something. I had a young man, had a buddy helping me look up some verses this week. It was, it was a lot of fun. And we found something in Numbers 35. This is going to be our last verse. Turn to Numbers 35. 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 Numbers 35.
Turn to Numbers chapter 35. Again, this could be one of those, you just kind of read it, you just kind of pass, and you miss. This was so good. Jesus, our high priest, is so good. Numbers chapter 35, look at verse 28. Chapter 35, look at verse 28. The slayer should have stayed inside the city of refuge until the death of the high priest. After the death of the high priest, the slayer may return to his own property. You could read those two verses and totally miss it. I have probably 30 times. And this week, we didn't miss it. Thank you, Lord. What this is talking about is if somebody brings accidental death to someone. In the Old Covenant, it was, if, there was, if it was a premeditated death and you were caught, you would also die. Eye for an eye. Tooth for tooth. Praise God we live in the New Covenant. But if there was an accidental death, they would, they would put you in a city of refuge. Typically, uh, some are thought it was your own city where you lived. Some say it's an actual place. I don't know all the details on that. But there was a city where you would take refuge, and you would be protected, and no one could take revenge. It was an accidental death. You're not put to death. You're not put in prison. You have no payment. It was an accidental death, and no one can come and take revenge because you're in the city of refuge. Now, there's a benefit to that, and there's, a, and, there's a, and there's not a benefit to that. The benefit is you get to stay alive. The, the consequence is you can never leave that city. You can never leave because the rules were, if you leave, if you leave that city and you're on the road, and someone comes to take revenge upon the accidental death, you can be killed. You've taken it upon yourself to risk it by leaving the city. So you're alive, but you're kind of under house arrest for the rest of your life. Or until what? The current high priest dies. And at the death of the current high priest, slates wiped clean. You no longer have to be held captive in your own city. You're no longer in bondage, if you will, in your own city, in your own community. Guys, we have a high priest that upon his death, we have been literally given the kingdom of heaven. We have freedom to move anywhere throughout the kingdom of heaven that we so choose. Upon his death, we are no longer held captive to sin. We are no longer held captive to leaning upon our understanding. We're no longer held captive to making choices based upon our own understanding. With the Spirit of God... Choose a direction you want to go, and for as many miles or as many kilometers as you want to go, there's freedom because of the death of the high priest. This is good stuff. Hey, I want to invite the worship team to come back up. This was a hard one, guys. Jesus, our high priest. This is a sample of some of the things that we found this week. Through the blood of the Lamb, we get to enter into the presence that was pretty much forbidden to anyone but one guy one day a year. Now guys, I know we know this. 
I know we've learned this since we were in second grade. My question is, how many of us take advantage of this? I know we know it. My question is, how many of us take advantage of this? Father, you made a way where the veil and the curtain was torn. Hey, if you're on our prayer team, come on up also. I meant to do that also, sorry. If you're on our prayer team, come on up. We're going to end in a moment. We're going to have a little bit of extended worship. And here's what I want us to do, guys. If, if you know Jesus as friend, if you know Jesus as Savior, if you know Jesus as Jehovah, He's provider, praise God. If you're still in that little gray area where like, I don't quite understand Him being my high priest. I don't quite understand what it, what it means that He has entered into the most holy place so that I can we have some men and women up here who don't have all the answers, but they'd love to take you by the hand and they'd love to pray with you. They'd love to encourage you. Father, would you speak to our hearts even now? You have said that you would release comfort. You have said that you would release identity. Father, you said that today we would be known. You would make us known. Would you please do that even now? Jesus' name.